The banks are not here to make sure that you're okay. It's not smart to have your mortgage, your credit cards, your investment accounts, all with one bank. We like the convenience of having everything at one place. As a result, we pay for it. CIBC increased the amount of revenue that they generated from personal and commercial banking 28% year over year. For all of the clever marketing, the Canadian consumer has to understand that they are on their own. They are in a fight for every single dollar that they have and their opponent is their bank. How is it possible that the Canadian banks are making close to 3% in net interest margin, historically high levels, and not sharing that with you? You can't trust your bank. They're not on your side. It's a bad relationship, but you can take control over it. Hey, Marcus, welcome back in studio. Thanks for joining me. I know you want to talk about net interest margins. It's how the big banks are making a profit right now. I want you to explain to me and the rest of the audience, like we're children, what are net interest margins? Okay. So, I mean, Matt, I would never imply that you're a child. Thank you. Uh, you said that. I didn't say that. So net interest margins are the difference between what a bank makes on its loan portfolio. So the interest rate that it is charging its borrowers and the interest rate that it is paying its savers. And I think a lot of Canadians have started to realize that the interest rates on their savings account have not changed at as dramatically, if at all, as the interest rates on their loans. And that is a key to the profitability of the Canadian banks right now. Imagine if you were operating like a bank, Matt, and you had a million dollars of loans outstanding. And because of the Bank of Canada, you were able to precipitously increase the interest rate that all of your borrowers were paying you. And simultaneously, you had been trusted with a million dollars worth of savings from other Canadians. And those Canadians were so happy to just have their money in a bank, they did not demand from you any increase in the rate of return that you were paying them. Think you know, GIC rates, savings accounts, checking accounts, you would continue to fee all of those savers with transactional fees, and you wouldn't increase the interest rate that you were paying them on their savings account at all, or definitely not as quickly as you were increasing the borrowing costs that your borrowers were seeing. What that translates to, especially in a time like this, when the banks are feeling the pinch because they're not really making the profits that they were once making in investment banking. Think about it, right? Like, have you heard, when was the last time you heard of a Canadian bank leading a huge deal in the M&A space? Investment banking is dead right now. Interest rates are so high that companies who are looking to purchase other companies need to factor in this increased cost of capital when they're making an acquisition. And it's much more difficult for a company to make that decision when before they were, let's say, making the decision, okay, I'm going to buy ABC Corp and I'm going to be able to do it with 2% money. Now that money is 6% money and the cash flows of the target or the, the company that they're acquiring aren't enough to service that increased cost of debt. That's translating into significantly reduced earnings within these other segments of the banks. We spent a little bit of time analyzing the quarterly reports from the Canadian banks, 
And, you know, there's five big Canadian banks, six banks, inclusive of National Bank. And the one trend that we're seeing across all of these banks is increased profitability from their commercial and personal loans. They're making more money on their business associated with lending people and companies money because they're rapidly increasing the rates that people are paying. In addition, the net interest margin makes it even more special because their cost of capital, the money that they've got to lend out, isn't increasing anywhere near as quickly as what the money they're pulling in from their loans are. So that's net interest margin, right? Exactly what it sounds like. It's the net amount of profit that the bank makes, the difference between what they are paying their savers and what they are collecting from their borrowers. So the money that banks lend out are their clients' money, my money, your money that's been put into savings and their return that that's not being invested in in like you know stocks and bonds. It's being invested in how they lend that out to other clients within. Uh, well, listen, a bank can use that money for whatever they see fit, right? It's there. There are requirements placed on them for how they need to allocate their savings or, or their investors or their clients' savings based on what type of account it is and where they're allocating their capital. And we talked about that a little. Those are those Basel III rules where a bank needs to allocate more of their balance sheet to higher risk loans than they would for lower risk loans. So it's, they don't have carte blanche in dealing with this. Across the board, if you're paying less to your savers, any of these verticals, any of the segments in the marketplace that you're pushing money out into, you're demanding a higher return right now. So across the board, in any of these loan portfolios, they're going to be making more money. And so how long does it usually take for, for a company like that to usually kick back to the people that are, they're taking the money from for that savings? I mean, I never seen a, a savings account higher than maybe 2% from a big bank. There are, there are accounts, like you can get a 4% uh, savings account uh, from some of these kind of non-traditional banks, especially uh, I know EQ Bank advertises a, you know, GIC. I don't know how long you have to hold it with them for, but you're seeing savings accounts get higher, but it's only because of the challenger banks. Like in the United States, Apple came up with a savings account. I thought you'd be all over that one, Matt. I'm not. I missed that one. Okay. So Apple had a savings account and they were offering 4%, I think, on it. In the States, it was a bit of a perfect storm though, because they had a confidence crisis in the banking sector. Consumers were so worried that wherever they had their deposits was going to end up like Silicon Valley Bank, that a lot of the money migrated to the big banks. So in the United States, profitability at the banks has increased significantly because of this kind of too big to fail rule where consumers pulled their money out of smaller regional banks, placed it with the bigger banks, and the bigger banks didn't have to increase savings rates to their savers because the savers were just so happy to have their bank and their government guarantee their savings. Hierarchy of needs, right? It, you know, they, their number one priority was like, let's make sure that our deposits are safe. And they stopped thinking about, hey, how come I'm not getting the return that I should be getting on my savings at the bank? It almost sounds like uh, like mafioso, like, hey, just be quiet. We've got you protected. Uh, I don't owe you anything more than that, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it's... It's a very clever way, for sure, 
to avoid having to have that difficult discussion as to why, why are my savers not making more on the money that they've got with us? That crisis of confidence in the US banking sector definitely delayed the increases to those savings accounts. And in Canada, you see it time and time again. Like Canadians are just so happy that we've got this safe and secure banking sector. You know, we've got five banks, you know, with valuations from close to 200 billion down to about $80 billion in the, within the realm of the big five. We've got these huge banks that are massively profitable. We don't realize that the security and the safety in our banking sector is built off of the Canadian consumer's willingness to accept less for their savings accounts and pay more on their loan accounts. Is that like a, a lack of education on Canadians or is it just compliancy or, or uh, I mean, you, you, uh, when I mentioned that I t- only see savings accounts of 2%, that's because of the, what I grew up with. And now it's changing because of competition within the U.S., as you mentioned. So when does that change? When do consumers in Canada get smarter about this and what the banks are doing with us and how do we get ahead of it? Canadians are so comfortable and enamored with the idea of having everything with their bank. Long time ago, the Bank of Canada issued a report saying that the more banks you do business with on a regular basis, the better the product offerings you're going to receive from your bank will be. It's not smart to have your mortgage, your credit cards, your investment accounts, your insurance all with one bank. Banks view that as an ability to pay you less on your savings and charge you more on your borrowings. The more stuff you have with one bank, the more of a target you're going to be for profitability for that bank. That's not me saying it. That's not some you know, conspiracy. That is the Bank of Canada issued a, a report. And I think this is like 20 years ago now when I first started as a, in mortgage brokering. And the report said that if Canadian consumers wanted to take advantage of more of the monetary stimulus being injected by the Bank of Canada, they should, the number one thing that they should do is diversify their holdings across the banks, loans and savings. As Canadians, we, we kind of trust and we want to work with our bank and we like the convenience of having everything at one place. And as a result, we pay for it. When a challenger comes in, so like, you know, equitable bank is considered a challenger bank. When a challenger comes in and starts offering really great savings account rates or lowered borrowing costs, the Canadian banks will work together to either increase their savings rates or decrease their borrowing rates to push the challenger out. That only happens when they notice a significant amount of outflow, right? When they notice that their business is changing a little bit because they may be losing some share of wallet, then they'll affect some change in the market. So I'll give you an example. The mortgage business. The worst part about being a mortgage broker, I can tell you for sure for me, is you work with a client, they come to you because their bank won't give them the amount of money that they think that they should get, or more commonly, their bank is not giving them a competitive interest rate. As a mortgage broker, you collect all of the documentation, you begin working with your borrower, you secure them a better rate than the bank. It happens every single time. This happens a lot during refinances. So when Canadian consumers are looking to refinance, They're frustrated that their bank isn't offering them a great rate. Let's say it's a renewal. This is a strategy. Your bank sends you a document that allows you to renew in automation, right? You get a piece of paper in the mail. 
It says, here are our rates from a one-year fixed rate to a five-year fixed rate to a five-year variable rate. And all of the rates suck, right? You get this document about six months before your renewal. The best thing the consumer can do is not respond. One month later, they're going to get another renewal document and the rates are going to be a little bit better. And one month after that, they'll get a little bit better. Absolute best thing a Canadian consumer can do is contact a mortgage broker. And the mortgage broker will then immediately begin scanning the market. They'll provide better rate options than what was offered by the bank. And then that consumer and that mortgage broker develop a relationship. The broker signs them up for a new product and it is a week before the closing date of the date that they're going to move that mortgage from their bank to this new lender. Could be a bank, could be a trust company, could be a a mortgage finance company, but they're doing it because they're going to save money because the rate is better. The brokers put a lot of work into it. The the borrowers put a lot of work into it because they collected all their documentation. They got an appraisal on their property. And the last piece of the puzzle is for either the new lender or the borrower's lawyer to contact the existing lender, the bank that's got the mortgage now and say, hey, we're going to be paying you out on the 31st of the month, please send us your payout and discharge statement. And that is when the bank springs into action. And the bank says, oh, geez, well, we don't want to lose this loan. Hopefully, they don't want to lose your loan. If they want to lose your loan, then they're not going to bother. Usually, they'll say, okay, we don't want to lose this loan. Let's call the client. And then they call you up, Matt, and they say, well, listen, we really don't want to see you go. We're sorry about the experience you've had so far. And why don't you tell us what the rate you're getting offered is? I'm getting offered a 5% five-year fixed rate. The bank will hem and they're a haw and they'll say, well, we really don't want to lose you. So we'll match that 5% rate. More than five times out of 10, the consumer will say, well, it does seem very inconvenient for me to make this move. I'm just going to stick with you. Thanks so much. It's like an abusive relationship, right? I was going to say that it, it does seem like an abusive relationship. And, and it seems that like as people become more and more educated like this, that they become almost defiant against the bank that they thought was working with them. And I mean, maybe that's a, a younger generation thing. I know my dad was very loyal to his bank for so long, and it wasn't until like I got educated and I got get him to move over his savings into better returns that he started to see what I could do. But I mean, there's a 30-year gap between us, and then there's younger people below me that are watching things like Grant Cardone's podcast or Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and they're learning how to like borrow and how to leverage banks against each other. And you mentioned it, this, the education that's coming out of the States and the banking options down there, just YouTube vehicles like this, getting the information out there. I don't know when it comes down to the, the Canadian market, when we're going to ha- have to see uh, younger people start to take charge of their finances. But I think it does take charge with that younger audience because there's the, the, it's almost like brainwashing or you've been um, uh, like it's an abusive relationship where Stockholm syndrome, where you're, you love your bank, but they're just clearly abusing you. To the benefit of their shareholders, right? Their primary responsibility is not to their borrowers and their savers. It is to their shareholders. And they can provide a much better return to their shareholders by addressing mortgage borrowers who are just about to leave instead of providing a better interest rate on all of the renewals, right? They're not going to provide the most competitive interest rate to all of their renewals right off the bat because that would affect profitability. They're going to provide the best interest rate for the people who absolutely need it in order to stay. And the same thing for the savings rates. And when a challenger comes up, so like the mortgage brokerage industry is considered a challenger to the Canadian banks because they're providing the Canadian consumer with options. 
But what devastates the mortgage industry more than anything else is the way that the banks operate. Because the, what the banks can do is they can kind of let the mortgage brokerage industry work for the Canadian consumer and then pull the rug out from under these brokers who are working to on a commission, let's say, to put this deal together at the last minute. And then the broker ends up with no commission. They end up having done all the work for the for the borrower, and then the borrower flips back to the bank. And typically, the borrower will just say, "Listen, it's it's complicated for me to move. It's you know, it's a bit of a drag. My bank's making it very, very easy, and it's good for the borrower. Uh, but long term, it isn't right. The more times that happens, the less." willing challengers are to participate in the market, right? Listen, right now, I think our mortgage industry is getting quite strong. And it's not just because of, you know, offering the best rate to a consumer. I think that it's far more than that now. I think that uh, Canadian consumers realize, especially on, on mortgage borrowing, that things are a lot more complex in the landscape. We did that great show last week on how to pick the right mortgage in this interest rate environment. It's very difficult for the banks to come out with strategies that are unbiased and focused on just helping Canadian consumers pay the least amount of interest. It's just a bank can never produce an unbiased report like that because it's so kind of contradictory to what they stand for, right? They stand for ways to maximize the return they're making on investors, ways to maximize net interest margins. Net interest margins are like the holy grail for the banks, right? The more money they can make on that spread, that's like a pure risk-free return just getting spit out at the banks. They're never going to relinquish that. So what Connect and other mortgage brokerages are doing is they're using that as an advantage, right? I mean, I don't want to say that the bank is the enemy of the Canadian consumer, but they definitely have opposing goals in each of the deals that they're doing. Understanding what your, what your objectives are and what your strengths are and what the bank's objectives and their strengths and weaknesses are, if you understand that landscape really well, you're going to win. We actually have some numbers and some stats here. Uh, I'd love for you to go through it so we can actually show some real life examples of how the banks are taking uh, advantage of this net interest margin. CIBC increased the amount of revenue that they generated from personal and commercial banking 28% year over year. In, in a year where interest rates are going through the roof. Well, that's how they did it, right? They did it by increasing the amount of interest that they are collecting from Canadian consumers, decreasing the amount of money that they are spending by paying their savers, increasing the fees that they're charging their personal and business clients. So for all of the clever clever marketing from all of the Canadian banks, the Canadian consumer has to understand that they are on their own, that they are in a fight for every single dollar that they have, and their opponent is their bank. And the more allies they can find to provide them with sound, unbiased advice, the better off they're going to be. I mean, there are some Canadians who are seasoned negotiators, and they probably have great rates on their mortgages and their lines of credit, and they're maxing out on their savings rates, 
understand that that takes great savvy, right? It takes a great understanding of your opponent as we're talking about, and it takes a lot of knowledge and effort. Where does it start, right? Like a good investment advisor and a good mortgage broker can help you navigate this stuff. Just make sure that they are providing you with unbiased advice. You can see it in these quarterly reports. I always find it so funny, right? Like if you just read the quarterly reports of the Canadian banks, it makes you so cynical. You end up looking through them and you're you know, like, how is it possible that whatever bank it is is telling me I'm wealthier than I think? They are clearly aware of a decrease in investment banking revenue. So they're supplementing it by squeezing more out of consumers when consumers are already feeling pain everywhere else. Every single bank produces a whole ton of collateral uh, whenever there's a quarterly report. So this comes from TD and it, I, I just, listen, I, I liked it because it shows right away their net interest margin was up 20 basis points quarter over quarter. So this is on a huge book of business, right? Like this is on a, like a multi-billion dollar book of business and they managed to increase their net interest margin across the entirety of that book by 10 basis points. And it increased their, you know, they increased their revenue, it increased their quarterly earnings. And they say it, they spell it out for you right now. Like this is just from Canadian personal and commercial banking. Year over year revenue increase of 17%. So it's not as um, noteworthy as CIBC's 28%, but it's 17%, people. Um, that's a that's a pretty big year over year increase in a time when Canadian consumers are feeling the pinch more than ever. Um, So their deposit volumes went up, which is incredible. So, I mean, that to me, like, do they think we're really dumb maybe? Who is this evil character that's telling us this? In their quarterly report, they're saying, you know, shareholders, you got to be really, really proud of us because we managed to give these losers less than ever as a return and we still increased our deposits. And we are going to take a victory lap now and pat ourselves on the back. You go through this quarterly report, they're losing money other places and they're supplementing it off the backs of the Canadian consumer. I went through the quarterly reports and then I stopped. I think that the big takeaway here is you can't trust your bank. They're not on your side. It's a bad relationship, but you can take control over it. What would you say is the best way for somebody watching the show to get control of their finances, get ahead of the bank? If you have a ton of money in unsecured debt, attack that first. Figure out the kind of best way to average the cost down. Um, for that, you speak to a good mortgage broker if you've got a proper, if you've got a house, and you know you figure out how you can reduce your kind of ongoing debt servicing costs. If you have a ton of money in savings with the Canadian banks, start asking questions right away. Um, I know that you know we've got advisors that can help you with you know maximizing the return that you're making, like things like our mortgage investment fund. But if you have an investment advisor, start asking them some hard questions. Why am I not making four or five percent on my money as an interest? as a yield on it in in interest when the risk-free rate of return is there? Is that not what I should be making from my Canadian bank? How is it possible that the Canadian banks are making close to 3% in net interest margin, historically high levels, 
and not sharing that with me, with, with you. This is a big task, right? And anytime you've got a big task ahead of you, you've got to break it down into kind of first step, second step, third step, or else you're never going to go anywhere. What's most important to you right now? If you've got a whole bunch of money in savings and you're not making anything on it, bingo, red alert. Let's focus on that. If you've got a whole bunch of money in debt and you're worried about why you're in a variable rate and should you switch to a fixed rate, then focus on that. But just understand that in all of these conversations, the conversation's critical, but what's even more critical is who you're receiving the information from. The Canadian banking industry is so heavily protected that you're able to give information. If you're a Canadian bank, you're able to give information under the guise of it being unbiased. When it is absolutely biased, the, it is absolutely bad information in most cases being provided to the Canadian consumer because it's the information that maximizes the returns for the Canadian banks. The information that maximizes what the Canadian banks are able to pay out in dividends to their shareholders so that they can increase their market capitalizations. The banks are not here to make sure that you're okay. Listen, if you like what we're talking about today and you want to hear a little more information on a way to approach negotiating for things with your bank, why don't you hit subscribe? The more people that like our channel, the more amazing content we can push out. And if you have any ideas for future shows or things that you want to learn more about, like net interest margins, let us know, put it in the comments, and we definitely, definitely will address it and we'll, we'll put out some more content for you. But thank you so very much for subscribing and thank you for watching. Um, we're really enjoying pushing this content out.